We're continuing our look at the New York Giants 2023 opponents with a trip down south to Miami Beach. And we're checking in with Alan Pupar, publisher of All Dolphins, part of Fan Nation's network. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. Happy to have you with us as we count down to the start of New York Giants training camp. The Giants report on the 25th, first practice is the 26th, and then it's nonstop coverage from here on out for the Locked On Giants podcast, as well as over on Giants Country part of the Fan Nation Network. And speaking of the Fan Nation Network, we had a few um, remaining opponents from the Giants 2023 schedule that we needed to cover. And I'm pleased to welcome in Alan Pupar, who is the publisher of All Dolphins over on the Fan Nation Network, a really super guy. And uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to have him. Alan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Patricia. All right, Alan, let's jump right in because there's a lot to talk about with this Dolphins team. Um, I think we've got to start off with Tua and the question of, (laughs) you knew this was coming, right? And the question of, is Tua an elite quarterback? Does he have what he needs to be an elite quarterback in this system? Uh, Here's what I would tell you is I'm not ready to put Tua in the elite category, he has a system that is perfect for his skill set, uh, which includes great short to intermediate range accuracy. Having said that, yes, he can complete deep passes. This is a sore topic with Dolphin fans who will show you a highlight of a deep completion to a wide open Tyreek Hill to say, yeah, you see, he can complete a deep pass. Of course he can complete a deep pass. Um, don't know that anybody would say he's a great deep passer, but he is, again, very accurate in the short to intermediate range. Uh, He's quick with getting the ball out. And with the insane speed the Dolphins have at wide receiver with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And then this year, as as if they weren't fast enough already, they added Robbie Chosen, formerly Robbie Anderson, uh, to the wide receiver core to bring even more speed. And at running back, they drafted Devon Chain out of Texas A&M, who was basically the fastest player in the draft. to, To create even more speed on offense, more possibilities for head coach Mike McDaniel um, you know, to utilize all that speed on offense and create opportunities. So Tua is operating under a system that is ideal for him. He had a very, very good 2022 season, kind of a breakout year for him after kind of a slow start to his NFL career. But things didn't go well once December hit with consecutive losses to the uh, 49ers, Chargers, Bills, and then the loss against Green Bay where Tua sustained his second concussion, maybe third, depending on how you want to categorize what happened against Buffalo in early in the season. And the Dolphins wound up limping into the playoffs, but though they did make the playoffs. Having said all that, now if Tua can stay healthy, plays, ideally play 17 games, and then build on what he did last year and be the guy he was through the first 11 weeks of the season when the Dolphins were 8-3, and three, then you're talking absolutely with uh, uh, talking about an elite quarterback. Uh 
personally, I need to see it. There are some Dolphin writers who would put him in that category just yet. I'm not there yet. I think they're clearly quarterbacks who are elite, better than him. I'm talking about Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence. Yes, Justin Herbert, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I, I have about eight or nine of them. He can get into that group with another season like he had last year and maybe even better and finishing it the way he started last year through 11 games. If Tua should get injured again, what's the Dolphins' backup plan at that position? Yeesh. Uh, it's if you're right. I'm going to be honest with you. because I'm of the opinion Dolphins have built a roster with its guy high-end talent at a lot of different places after the acquisition of Jalen Ramsey from the Rams this offseason to follow what they did last year, acquiring Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb in trade and Teron Armstead as a, as a free agent. And there's enough talent everywhere on this team that they shouldn't be in that position. Now, obviously, if we talk about any team around the NFL, the Chiefs lose Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they're in bad shape. If the Bengals lose Joe Burrow, same thing. I think the Dolphins' offense, to me, is not quite as quarterback-centric as those – or quarterback-reliant as those teams, again, because of all the speed the Dolphins have on offense. And that's, again, this is a point of contention I have with some Dolphin fans – who think I'm crazy uh, that the offense is relying on two. If two is gone, there's no way it can operate at the same level. Well, that's true because the Dolphins right now, to me, don't have a great ideal backup quarterback situation. They had Teddy Bridgewater last year who just flat out couldn't stay healthy. He wound up making two starts because of Tua's injuries and he couldn't finish either game. And one of those games that was against the Jets where he ran a naked boot, bootleg on the first play. Ahmad Graham, Sauce, sorry, Graham Garner, Sauce Garner came in on a, on a cornerback blitz, hit him in the ribs. He wound up falling where there was some contact with the helmet to the turf. The spotter in the press box, this was shortly after two, had the bad concussion at Cincinnati. Spotter in the press box calls down, basically, you got to remove from the game. He's done after one play. And then his other star was against New England in week 17, where he was playing – Solid, nothing great. And then he threw a bad pick six. And on the pick six, he's trying to make a tackle, breaks a finger or a thumb. I don't remember exactly which one. And he's out for the game. Um, but as, as in terms of the quality of the quarterback, he was, to me, he was a solid backup quarterback. Couldn't stay healthy. The Dolphins obviously couldn't have, they can't have a, a, a backup quarterback with durability concerns when your quarterback, your starter has durability concerns. But they went out in the offseason, and their plan was to sign Mike White, formerly of the Jets, who had some good games, mind you, with the Jets. Under difficult circumstances, I'll give him that. The offensive line he played under last year was terrible, but he's 2-5 and five as a starter uh, in the NFL, and most of his numbers are pretty ugly. And based on what I saw in the offseason, which is a very small sample size, and I hate to judge a quarterback based on all of that, there was nothing – that happened during those practices to make me feel really warm and fuzzy about the Dolphins QB situation. Should something happen to Tua? And then the other quarterback on the roster is going to be Skylar Thompson, who, who wound up being the guy who called upon to start the playoff game at Buffalo because both Tua and Teddy were unavailable. And he looked like a rookie seventh round pick would should look like in a playoff game, not like Brock Purdy did with the 49ers. Although I'd make the argument that the 49ers, are better overall on offense because their offensive line is better than that of Dolphins. So basically, uh, I apologize for the long-winded answer to your question, but um, I think there's reason to be concerned for the Dolphins 
with the backup quarterback situation should something happen to Tua. And the Dolphins should not have let themselves in that position from where I sit. I, I think the play should have been to go for Andy, for an Andy Dalton type to back up Tua. All right. So moving over to receiver now, Tyreek Hill had some off-season, off-field issues. Where do things stand with him? Do you anticipate he's going to be suspended? And if he is missing, what do the Dolphins do there? Well, yeah, and you know the, the wheels of NFL justice turn very slowly, and nothing's going to happen until we get some kind of determination from um, the local authorities in South Florida. And, and it happened on Father's Day, and as we speak now, July 20th, uh, it's still up in the air. Uh, very possible there will be no charges filed. That's not, that doesn't mean that the NFL doesn't step in and say, well, no, we don't like what happened there. Uh, supposedly there's a video of the incident that happened at a, this is at a marina in, in uh, South Florida. Um, what happens if Tyreek Hill's not in the lineup? Well, it changes the dynamic because Tyreek Hill was the Dolphins team MVP as low, voted by the local media in 2022. And for good reason, he changed everything for that offense beyond just the numbers he produced, which was ridiculous uh, setting franchise record and uh, receiving yardage. Just the speed alone and what it did to opposing defensive coordinators in terms of how scared they were and how loose they played their coverage, it allowed the Dolphins to have so many easy pitch-and-catch opportunities with Tua to Jalen Wild and Tyree Kill 15, 20 yards down the field, again, because all the defenses kept being backing up. So if you don't have Hill in the lineup for whatever games, number of games it might be, and again, it's entirely possible that nothing's going to get determined. I mean, there were other situations where you're talking a year later before anything is decided in terms of disciplinary action from the NFL. If you don't have Tyreek in the lineup, you still have Jalen Waddle, who's, who might be the second fastest wide receiver in the NFL behind Hill. And then with Robbie Chosen on, on the other side, assuming he winds up being the third wide receiver option, although it could be former Jets, Braxton Berrios, you still have a lot of speed, except you don't have quite the vertical threat that you have when you have both Hill and Waddle there, which is insane, unlike anything I think we've ever seen in the NFL. All right, Giant fans, we are speaking with Alan Pupar. He is the publisher of All Dolphins. You can find it over on Fan Nation Network, part of SI.com. We're going to be right back with more on the Miami Dolphins who see the New York Giants this year. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, these days, every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates that are available. So that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster than ever before and for free. I myself have used LinkedIn Jobs in the past to find aspiring writers and editors for Giants Country, the site that I manage over on Fan Nation. And the process is not only super easy, but it's a big time saver. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize whom you'd like to interview and hire. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got me, your host, Patricia Trena, of Giants Country, also part of the Fan Nation Network. And my special guest today is Alan Pupar. He is the publisher of All Dolphins, which covers the Miami Dolphins. And uh, the Dolphins, one of the few teams we haven't covered as far as um, the preview that we've been doing here on the Giants 2023 opponents. So Alan is here to give us all the answers to our questions, or at least what he knows that he can give us to, to the questions. Some of these questions just can't be resolved, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. Alan, I'm sure one question that's on a lot of people's mind, and I don't know if you can give us an answer, is how's this Dolphins offensive line going to shake out? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> no, and, and that that's going to play a big part in what kind of success a Dolphin offense can have in 2023. Uh, there is some talent on that offensive line, starting with Teron Armstead, the left tackle, who's just a superb player. The only problem with Teron Armstead is he's 33, maybe 34. I don't recall exactly. He's been in the league for a while and has yet to play a full season. And he missed some time last year. He was hurt. I mean, he wound up like being, it was four or five body parts that wound up being listed for him on the injury report throughout the season. And he played most of the game. I think he wound up playing like 13 or 14 games. And when he wasn't in the lineup, there was a clear difference uh, in terms of the pass protection. He, the Dolphins need him in the lineup. And it's an iffy proposition, again, because of its injury history. Uh, Robert Hunt's a very good right guard. Connor Williams is a solid center. But they need to run Armstead. They have big question marks at left guard and right tackle where I, one would think they will, they will go ahead and start Two recent high draft picks, uh, second rounder Liam Eikenberg at left guard, 2020 first round pick Austin Jackson at right tackle. Now, both of those guys have yet to really establish themselves as bona fide starters in the NFL. And Dolphin fans are going to be holding their breath uh, until they prove that they can handle the job. Uh, And the truth is, we we don't know. Uh, Austin Jackson started off on the left side. Didn't pan out last year. There was a move to right tackle in a scheme that emphasizes athleticism a bit more than power for the offensive line. And there was a thought that that was a better fit for him, but he wound up with an ankle injury in the season opener. Didn't come back until late November, another ankle injury and he's out for the year. So we still don't know what we have with Austin Jackson as a right tackle. And Eichenberg was starting to play decent football after a rough start when he also went down with a knee injury, didn't come back until late in the year. And by that time, the season was pretty much over. So the truth is Dolphins don't know exactly what they have in those two guys. They're, they're counting on those. There are not really options that scream out as uh, easily, you know, as guys that easily could move into the starting lineup. They did sign Isaiah Wynn, former first round pick of the Patriots who's got some left tackle and left guard experience. He's a possibility left guard if Eichenberg can get the job done. But clearly uh, Eichenberg and Austin Jackson are the two guys in the spotlight for the offensive line, which to me still revolve revolves around the ability of, of Armstead to play as many games as possible. All right. Now, just before we flip over to the defense, what's the X factor, do you think, to this Miami Dolphins offense? Is it the quarterback, the O-line? Is it something else? What do you see as being the biggest factor and as to whether or not this unit has success in 2023? I'm going to give you the easy answer. I think the biggest X factor is going to be to his health. And like the two concussion things, 
that he had last year, again, possibly three, depending on how you want to categorize what happened in Buffalo in September, because of how they left it, they've left themselves uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, there is going to be a clear drop off from to what to Mike White or Skylar Thompson, whoever winds up being number two. I think it's going to be Mike White, but um, so he's got to stay in the lineup. Uh, there's no question about it. And then beyond that, beyond that, obvious. But again, I said we could say that about every team in the NFL, just about that. That has like a, you know, uh, with the, the frontline quarterback situation. Beyond that, I think another X factor is will Mike McDaniel be more willing to stick with the running game when it's producing and not default to the passing game as much as he did last year, even though it's understandable to defer to the passing game when you have the kind of speed and, and threats that they have outside with Hill and Wild. All right. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball now. The Dolphins acquired Jalen Ramsey in an offseason trade. Do they now have everything they need, do you think, to become a top five defense in the league? Whoa, top five. That's a that's a big jump from last year when they were in the 20s. Uh, I will tell you this. As big an addition as Jalen Ramsey, I think we could say the same. Uh, we could put it on a par, if not even greater, the addition of Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. Highly res- respected defensive mind. And I crunched the numbers one time. And the first-year impact – when he, when he joins a new team in a, in a supervisory role on the defense is, is insane. I mean, it jumps basically 10 spots in terms of points allowed and yards allowed. And the one thing that Dolphin defense didn't do last year was create a ton of turnovers, which is what they did so well in 2021 and 2020. And in 2021, if you recall, when the Giants played in Miami, um, they pretty much shut them down. And I believe they were some turnovers uh, that factor into the equation. The Dolphins do have talent at all three levels. They're a bit thin at linebacker for my taste. But you like, if you're looking at guys like Christian Wilkins, who's kind of a frontline defensive lineman, uh, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, another former first-round pick, to, this one in 2021, and then Ramsey and Xavier Howard, a cornerback, Javon Holland, who everybody sees as an emerging star at safety. There's an awful lot of talent in that defense. And you combine that with the addition of Vic Fangio and the return of several guys from injury last year. Yeah, the expectations are very high. Not sure top five might be pushing it maybe, but definitely top 10 has to be a goal or an expectation for this defense. How do you anticipate the defensive, the overall look changing under Vic Fangio? Well, the first thing that jumps out is while they will still be blitzing because everybody blitzes, there won't be nearly as much blitzing uh, as there was under the defense that was orchestrated, designed by Brian Flores, and then last year uh, run by D, uh, D.C. Josh Boyer. Vic Fangio tends to play more zone than what the previous defense did, and that certainly could play into into the strengths of guys like Xavier Howard, Javon Holland. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing you're going to see. I mean, the, the Dolphins were a heavy blitz team, the last few years and it served him well at times and it didn't serve him well at other times. Uh, and that's going to change a little bit under Vic Fangio who also liked to disguise a lot of things uh, immediately at the snap to try to confuse offenses. What about the strong safety competition? I think that's still up in the air for the dolphins. How do you see that playing out? 
I'm going to guess it's going to wind up being Deshaun Elliott, who they signed as a free agent from the Detroit Lions. He played a couple of years with the Baltimore Ravens. Now they had Brandon Jones was their starter last year. And Brandon Jones, if we're talking about the previous scheme on defense, was ideal for it because Brandon Jones is a tremendous blitzer. If he's not the best blitzing safety in the NFL, let's say he's up there. And also an excellent tackler. Deshaun Elliott might be a tad better in coverage, even though there are some question marks there a little bit. Um, so I think the competition is between those two guys. I would suspect Deshaun Elliott has the edge. Uh, and the other factor with, with Brandon Jones is he's coming off a torn ACL that he sustained in a game last October, November, I want to say. And then uh, X factor for the defense. David Long Jr. Uh, was the second most significant addition in terms of players on defense behind Jalen Ramsey. He's a great uh, coverage linebacker. You look, the tape says it and his metrics say it. Uh, also pretty solid against the run. He's a very good player, but he's had issues staying healthy. In fact, he was called out by former Tennessee head coach Mike Vrabel after their season went downhill badly last year in his in his postseason wrap-up. He called out Long and another player, I can't remember who it was, for not doing the things necessary to avoid like soft core injuries. Uh, and you're looking at a guy who's who missed – uh, I want to say it's close to double-digit games combined over the past two seasons because of hamstring injuries, and the Dolphins do not have a lot of depth at linebackers. Probably the, it might be their thinnest position on their entire roster. Uh, but he's a guy if he can stay in the lineup. And again, this is again I've mentioned already two and Teron Armstead, and this is another guy where the Dolphins have to keep their fingers crossed he stays healthy, but he could be a difference maker for that defense. All right, Giant fans, you are listening to the Locked on Giants podcast with Patricia Trena and special guest Alan Pupar of All Dolphins coming up. We're going to talk about some new faces on the Dolphins. We're going to talk about matchups, so don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, with training camp about to begin and with the NFL season not too far behind, there's no better time than now to check out the Locked on Giants subtext community program. This exclusive community allows me to communicate directly with participants, both in terms of group broadcasts and one-on-one texting. Members get exclusive items from me, including observations that I don't put out on my social media accounts and other goodies, such as when available, the chance to submit questions to select special guests that appear on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Details on how to sign up can be found in the show notes and it's free to try for 14 days. And if you like it, do nothing and you'll be billed $4.99 per month after your trial period ends. There's no long-term commitments. Cancel at any time once your billing starts. And if during the trial period you decide it's not for you, just simply text STOP to opt out of the list before your 14-day trial period ends and you'll owe nothing. I can't think of a better way to connect on a regular basis with Locked On Giants listeners And I hope you'll give the subtext community a try. Again, you can find details in the show notes. So check it out, sign up, and I hope to see you on the Locked on Giants subtext community. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast as we continue our look at 2023 New York Giants regular season opponents. We did have to put it on hold a little bit 
to get you ready for training camp and also to cover the Saquon news. But we are back finishing up these last few teams that uh, we didn't get to. Alan Pupar is our special guest today. He is the publisher at All Dolphins, a longtime NFL veteran, covers the Dolphins for a, a number of years. So if you think I know Giants, Alan really knows the Dolphins. And, and I am just absolutely glad to have him on the program with me. Alan, let's talk about the new faces. We mentioned Jalen Ramsey real quick, but who are some of the other new faces, be it free agents, draft picks, that we should be like keeping an eye out for that you think are going to really make an impact this first year? Uh, God, I wish I had, I wish I prepared for this question with a list in front of me. I have to go by memory. Um, we mentioned, yeah, Jalen Ramsey. We mentioned David Long on defense. Or the t- we mentioned Desha- Deshaun Elliott a little bit as well. Uh, and on defense, so those are the main guys offensively. Robbie Chosen, uh, who the Dolphins signed as a quote-unquote street-free agent. He's from the South Florida area. Where does he took less money from the Dolphins because he wanted to fulfill a dream of playing for his hometown team? He looked great uh, in the offseason practices that were open to the media which wasn't necessarily that surprising. The guy was with a solid wide receiver with during his time with the Jets. But it, he brings, again, this is an offense that was crazy fast last year with uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and, Ro- and Robbie Chosen can run. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. They also signed Braxton Berrios as a free agent from the Jets um, who could play as a role as a slot receiver, likely will be the punt returner. So they could get some mileage out of him. And Devon A-Chain, the rookie third round from Texas A&M, who, again, is, provides more speed on offense, which really was a luxury pick by the Dolphins because they re-signed all four of their running backs from last year. All four of them had their contract expire. They re-signed Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Savan Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin. So you kind of figured the Dolphins were set at running back with those four guys unless – you know, a big name popped up on the free agent market, such as, oh, I don't know, Dalvin Cook. Um, but then the Dolphins threw everybody a curveball by taking uh, A-chain in the third round when the Dolphins only had four picks. They used their first one in the second round on Cam Smith, a cornerback, who I haven't mentioned um, in terms of newcomers on defense, who, who I, I get the feeling will wind up having a role because I can certainly can see Vic Fangio using Jalen Ramsey as a safety at times, uh, in his scheme, but I'm not expecting like a ton of snaps. A chain is a major X factor on the offense. This was a Mike McDaniel pick. Like he wanted a new toy to play on offense. Mike McDaniel's a very bright guy and he's got the wheels are spinning all the time. And he looks at all the speed he has on offense and he sees a chain on the draft board goes, yeah, let me go at him. And then let's, let's see what else I can come up with, you know, to drive defensive coordinators crazy. He's a, he's a newcomer. I would watch and on the offensive line, the one guy, the, the one, the one position where the Dolphins really didn't make a significant move is a tight end where they let Mike Gesicki leave as a free agent for the Patriots. Became a non-factor last year. They signed Eric Saubert, formerly of the Denver Broncos. For some reason, I have the feeling didn't he play for the Giants at one point? Eric the name Saubert. sounds familiar. He might have been in their camp at one point, I think. Okay. But. Um, but he's kind of a journeyman. Um, not somebody you would expect uh, to, to, to put up huge numbers, but the Dolphins didn't use a tight end quite very much last year. I would expect that, that not to change. So on offense, the guys, the newcomers to watch are A-Chain, Robbie Chosen, Braxton Barros, and Isaiah Wynn I mentioned earlier, 
could wind up being a factor if the Dolphins decide that uh, Liam Eikenberg, you know, can't get the job done at left guard. All right. I had to look up to see if, if Selbert ever played for the Giants. I don't see that he did, but the name sounded familiar for some yeah, reason. So I, I, but I wanted to double check that because, you know, this time of year, it's like so many names go through your mind and it's like, sounds familiar, but let me just double check. Cause you know, sometimes like the Giants just brought in a guy, De- uh, Evans, uh, defensive back. And I missed it initially. And I'm like, Oh, he was with them before, you know? So anyway, um, before we get I, to- up, I just, for some reason, it, it's That's all good. Okay. All right. Before we get to matchups, I want to ask you a, a big picture question about head coach Mike McDaniel, you know, last year, um, you know, doing his thing, but where does he still need to grow? Do you think as a head coach? Well, I think the first thing he established right away as a head coach is he's going to create a great game plan offensively and he's going to relate to his players. Great. And he has a way of getting the most out of his players. I mean, what he did for Tua Tango Vailoa, as much as anything else, and there was a scheme that clearly helped, and he also like pumped him up, built up his confidence, which was a, which was a good change for Tua coming from a head coach before that, uh, who was kind of a taskmaster, could be a tough, uh, you know, a tough hand, which really didn't didn't mesh particularly well. The one area where there were issues last year, the Dolphins had an awful lot of pre-snap penalties, and this falls on McDaniel because he's the, the play caller on offense. And the Dolphins used pre-snap motion. I believe they were second in the NFL in terms of percentage. And sometimes it got too convoluted and took too long to get things going. And in fact, there was a critical delay of game penalty against Buffalo in that playoff game. That wound up being a factor in them in their last drive fizzling, allowing the Bills to run out the clock to secure that victory where the Dolphins could have had a huge, gigantic upset win. Uh, in the wildcard playoff round. So that would be the one area um, that would need, you know, some, some improvement outside of that. Um, no, this, the, the, in terms of the game management, there weren't many issues. Dolphins were not very successful in terms of, of replay challenges. I think they got their first one, right. Maybe either in the regular season finale or in the playoff game. Um, is that that huge of an issue? I don't know. Um, but no, it was it was a promising debut for Mike McDaniel as a head coach. The task obviously now is following it up. He he seemed like a who to, to to cover, by the way, with the personality and everything. Was was he fun to cover? He, he was. Uh, this is going to get me in trouble here. He was. Um, but when you're 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 dealing with that day after day after day after day after day, the, the novelty of it wears off a little bit. Uh, and there are certain times when you'll filibuster on a question, a, a big picture question, football philosophy, where you'll go and go and go and go and go. And you know how it goes. There's nothing in there that we can use. So it's like, okay, wrap it up so we can get to another question. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. No, but he's, but he's a good guy and he, he you know he's obviously very bright and is he, he, he's he can be entertaining, but again, like I said, if you're dealing with it every day, it's not the same as if you catch glimpses here and there. Gotcha, gotcha. I was just curious about that. All right, Alan, let's talk about matchups. And again, for those of you watching, 
We are recording this on July 20th, which means for the Dolphins and the Giants training camp has not yet started. So we don't know exactly what the 53-man rosters are going to look like. We do have a rough idea as to, you know, what positions will be filled in certain spots. Alan, when you look at the Giants versus the Dolphins, what do you see as being maybe the biggest matchups at this point in the calendar? Oh, you're going to have to, this is going to require knowledge of the Giants roster. I can tell you one area where the Dolphins really struggled defensively last year was in, in neutralizing running quarterbacks. So okay. immediately off the top of my head, I'm thinking they have to deal with Daniel Jones scrambling mm-hmm. ability and making sure he doesn't rush for 80 yards against them or whatever the number is. Justin Fields, if I'm not mistaken, might have set an NFL rushing record by a quarterback when the Dolphins played at Soldier Field last October or November it was. Lamar Jackson had a 79-yard touchdown. Again, those are elite running quarterbacks. Daniel Jones is a very good running quarterback as well. So that would be one thing that immediately jumps out at me. On the other side, uh, the biggest matchup that comes into play is the Giants' defensive line. Uh, From where I sit with Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody of note, uh, could be problematic for the Dolphin offensive line if it's not up to snuff. And then, of course, the Giants added tight end Darren Waller to the mix, sending him up the middle probably to open things up along the, the, uh, the outside how do you think that Dolphins back seven will stack up against the Giants, quote unquote, hopefully improved passing game? Yeah, no, it's interesting, actually, because the Dolphins faced Waller in 2020, I want to say, was in, in Vegas. And he had a huge game. The Dolphins stuck Eric Rowe on him in man coverage. Eric Rowe, who had been a quarterback turned safety. And the thing was, the coverage was very good the entire night except Waller kept making plays on the ball where he would literally beat Roe one-on-one despite Roe having good position uh, to make the catch. And he wound up pretty sure he was over 100 yards receiving that night. Eric Roe is no longer with the Dolphins. He's now with the Carolina Panthers, left as a free agent in the offseason. And I'm not sure the Dolphins necessarily are going to dedicate a DB to cover Waller one-on-one, again, because Fangio's scheme – usually employs more zone coverage than men. If they do have a guy dedicated to him, wouldn't shock me if he wound up being Jalen Ramsey because he's got the size of physicality and clearly the coverage skills to handle that position. Dolphins have a lot of depth at cornerback where they can dedicate somebody else, stick Ramsey in the slot. It could be somebody like we threw out as a possibility, maybe somebody like Trill Williams, who's like a young cornerback slash safety who looked fabulous in camp last year until he tore an ACL in the preseason opener. Uh, I'm expecting good things from him. I think there's definitely something there that he could become a good player. And they could be, I see, could see him as somebody who could be deployed to cover a tight end the way Eric Rowe was. If, if indeed he fulfills the promise that we saw. All right. And then final question, what is the one or two areas on the dolphins that you feel can stack up against any NFL team? Well, wide receiver, I'm going to start off with that. And forget stacking up. There's no team in the NFL that can match the Dolphins' speed at wide receiver. Um, and this is where – this is where it, and it's a tough conversation, and I have my share of, of fans on social media who completely hate me because when I talk about Tua, to me it's impossible not to look 
at what having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle has done for the offense. I mean, I, I would go watch any tape of Dolphin games last year and the number of times you'll see those two guys 15, 20 yards downfield. I mean, wide open. Again, just because of the speed that they create. Um, there's nobody like it. You want to talk about like wide receiver tandems. There, You can make the argument for others, maybe in the NFL, wide receiver trios, if we bring in Robbie Chosen to the equation, maybe Cincinnati's better with Chase T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, but it's close. But again, nobody can touch a Dolphin speed there. And then on defense, I think you have to look at the cornerback position. Uh, now, Xavier Howard made the Pro Bowl last year when he really shouldn't have because he didn't have a good year, but he played hurt the whole year also, which has to be mentioned. And he was fabulous in 2020 and 2021. And the dude's a top five corner when he's when he's healthy. Jalen Ramsey also didn't have necessarily a great 2022. His metrics still were pretty good. And there were issues around him on the on the Rams defense. I don't know that there are many teams that have as good a cornerback tandem as those two guys. And on top of that, the Dolphins also have a lot of depth at cornerback. So those are clearly the two positions where the Dolphins are really, really strong. All right. It's going to be interesting to see how the Giants match up against them because, you know, some question marks – on the opposite side of the ball for the Giants, you know, in, in those areas where the Dolphins are strong. And we'll see, you know, the Giants cornerbacks, which is kind of, you know, we expect to have a rookie in Deontay Banks out there. And, you know, of course, Dory Jackson will be back against that speed. That's going to be interesting for sure. And then on the flip side, you mentioned, you know, the run defense for the Dolphins, that against Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, who, I do believe is going to play this year, despite any threats to hold out. So that's going to be a key matchup as well. All right. He is Alan Pupar. He is the publisher of all dolphins. You can find him on the fan nation network, which is part of si.com. He is the, uh, the, the Patricia of giants country, but he, he does a better job. So we'll give, we'll give him credit. He's awesome. Alan, thank you so much for coming on the program with me. I appreciate it. And uh, we will talk again soon down the line. I'm sure. Enjoyed it. Anytime Patricia. All right. All right. Giant fans. That's going to do it for us here on the locked on giants podcast, New York giants training camp gets underway this week. You'll want to keep it here all week long and into the weekend. If there's a practice, there will be a show. I will get it to you as quickly as I can. So until then, for Alan Pupar, I'm Patricia Trainer. We'll see you tomorrow, Giant fans.